0: Hey what's up MTV It's your boy Tony Uh, This is Starving Artist Phoenix And this week my guests uh, Were Blood and Blush, uh, which is a podcast in town, uh, namely three women named Chandelisse, Alison Bauer, and Jesse Tully. Uh, the three of them met me at Urban Beans for a chat. Um, I, I'll admit, like, when I saw what their podcast was when I first like, popped up. I was pretty skeptical, I'm like, what, is possibly the appeal of this, uh, something that makes this true crime and makeup and whatever else? Like, this is seems strangely specific, uh, but it's actually a lot of fun to listen to, uh, and a lot of that has to do with uh, how they relate to each other, uh, which is why I was so excited to have them on the show, uh, because I... Love to hear about artists collaborating, and it ended up being basically three little mini episodes all in one because they each are, you know, artists in their own right and deserving of their own focus, and they have a lot, you know, of their own paths to come through. So, we talked a lot about their own uh, individual. Lives in, in the arts, but um, uh, kind of coming to a head in, in this project that they came together on. Uh, and you know, you, you can tell uh, listening to the show that, how much fun they have with each other, and it's it's always a good time, <laughs> you know, to have people on who are you know really comfortable with each other already. And so this vibe is a, is a nice kind of loose, fun one. Uh, you know, it's always a always makes for a good episode. Uh, so l- hopefully. Uh, hopefully what hopefully, what, am I, what was I going to say with that sentence sometimes I feel like I just say words like that, that could start off a sentence just to buy myself a little bit of time to fill in the rest of the thought because I don't really know where I'm going with it and I end up with things like hopefully hopefully what hopefully you enjoy it sure you'll enjoy it of course you are hopefully you don't get mad at me if you don't enjoy it I don't, I don't know what I was doing with that was a little dumb of me wasn't it Oh well, you'd think after all that talking I'd, I'd know what I was going to say at this point, but still don't. That's alright though. Uh, myself, you know, you heard last week, Laugh at Big Pig Theatre, we just closed the show. We just held auditions uh, two days ago for our next, so we're on to the next big thing, Laugh laughing Pig. Uh, very excited about all that. Check out more on a lot of big social medias and all that shit when it comes out. Uh, just really excited to you know start to get a little bit more of a foothold in the performing arts community myself here uh, and make myself more of a part of it than an outside observer like this podcast allows me to be. But for the moment, I hope that you kick back yourself and observe this podcast with your ears, with me, and blood and blush. So Starting artist Phoenix, I'm Tony Machete. I've got the three wonderful hosts of Blood and Blush Podcast with me. After so you guys want to just go around and introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm Shandy. I'm Allison. I'm Jesse.
0: You guys got that? Okay. Good. So uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time out to do this. I <laughs> <laughs> trust me, it only gets funnier from there. <laughs> we're all just like. <laughs> uh, we're all enjoying our nice cold beers out under the trees, under the stars. It's very uh,
2: romantic. It, it is.
0: is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might be falling in love with this beer. Uh, but uh, I, I'm glad you guys made some time to do this uh, because I, when I first saw your podcast like come up, I think yeah, like I saw it on like my Instagram feed or something first and I really didn't know what the deal was. <laughs> but I'm, I was really bought into it pretty quick I feel like because it's such a niche thing. It's like... You guys literally, like, didn't even just do, like, a true crime podcast or, like, a makeup podcast. You are like, we have to do both. And then whatever else comes to mind. What of
2: everything?
0: So, I mean, if we can start there, just, like, talking a little bit about how you guys, like, came together and decided to do this project. Well, um, we
1: came together last December. It's been (gasps) almost a year. Yeah. Uh, we came together last December, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation started, but we we all listened to My Favorite Murder with uh, Karen Kilgara from Georgia Hardstock. So we all really liked that, and do you guys actually remember like how we got on the topic of starting our own podcast? It was in a text message thread,
3: where we were literally just kidding around, like, what if we had a podcast about the two things we liked the most, murder and makeup? And then it went from, like, murder and makeup to
2: the feminist agenda for a second it was going to be blood and blush and the feminist agenda and then it became just whatever the fuck we want I distinctly remember the name one of you came up with it and was just like if we ever had a podcast it would be called blood and blush and then one day Allison was like my boyfriend has a microphone and I have a laptop and we were just like Oh no, this is happening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we were just trying to figure out like topics to talk about. We're like we'll talk about like Natalie Wooden highlighter and like Carolyn Manson and lipstick. Yeah. Just
0: so yeah. so. classic pairings, peanut mm-hmm. butter and jelly, yeah. Natalie Wooden highlighter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. As one tends
0: to do. So you've been doing it for quite some time. I mean, have you have you felt any like burnout or anything? Or do you feel like you're you're always like mm-hmm. Yeah, you always have like a list of topics like ready to go. Do you ever feel like you're <laughs> struggling to go? I
2: I feel like at least once an episode one of us will go. You know, I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> um that's a fun blood and blush drinking game. Yeah. Every time one of us says, "I didn't really know what I didn't to know what pick." To talk about. But I mean, I have a memo on my phone of just like different topics. I think what helps is having like blood blush and whatever the fuck you want yeah. so it's just like you know it keeps it interesting if we yeah. were all just talking about like one particular thing like if we were just a beauty podcast I feel like we'd run out of stuff pretty quick yeah yeah
0: that's what I think is kind of brilliant about it is that it's like so specific and, and that you do all of these things at once that you means you can never kind of run out cause you can always just lean on one or the other and yeah. I feel like it seems like, from a marketable standpoint, you'd want to just pick one thing and like make that your brand. But I mean, have you guys ever felt the the urge to like tweak what you do in any way in order to be more like mass market or whatever?
1: I mean, I think if anything, our our tweaks come in like time restraints for episodes, like we talk like sound quality, just trying to figure out what other podcasts have in in the way of like the back end stuff, but. I mean, I think we're all pretty content with our topics. Like, that's kind of why we picked them, because it's kind of an endless amalgamation of topics we can we can choose from. So, and a lot of you can
3: throw like a stone and find a true crime podcast, right? And there's a lot that are clearly DIY, like we are,
1: yeah.
3: right? Um, but I feel like we do makeup stuff. And whatever the fuck we want Can we toss on this? Because we do that a lot yeah, Okay, great, 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 great
2: Our topic is literally Whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the, fuck the fuck you want. want So like
0: yeah, Shendi actually crossed that line already and didn't ask. So was oh, <laughs> good. It Never work.
2: ask permission is the takeaway. Just just cuss. Just take it. Just cuss. Yeah. I didn't even
1: register because we have no filters. No. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's clearly just fine. That's like that's the fuck. first thing I mark when I'm uploading. It's like explicit language. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Whatever.
0: See, that's, I mean, that's another thing. I feel like when it comes to podcasts, people don't. Don't understand, it's like, who... There is no audience, I feel like. And yeah. <laughs> I feel like you guys have really embraced that and that like, you can't really play to an audience because there's 100 billion podcasts out there and you can't really plan on winning in any exactly. way in that field.
2: I think it genuinely surprises us when people actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> it
1: does. Yeah. When we get people who are like, oh, I was listening to your podcast, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. Why? What? <laughs> What's wrong? Why?
0: Were you on a cross-country drive somewhere? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I mean but this is clearly like a side project for all of you guys. You all come from performance backgrounds as well. So like how did you know each other before this?
1: Um We all met kind of simultaneously. Well I we all how Mm. Uh, I think
0: you guys know each other, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: theater. <laughs> yeah, met yeah. through theater. But I
3: think we all met at different times and the same time, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. Shandy and I. Were you in that Miss Cass concert that Shandy did? Yes. So we were all in a performance together, but none of us performed together. Right. Yes. We were like in a cabaret Miss Cass concert. Yeah. Um, none of us did. Maybe we did a song together. No, I know we didn't. No, we didn't. You no guys group numbers? all her boys no. together huh no no okay we all did different numbers we were never like in the same number and we knew of each other through other people yeah and shandy and i both went to nau at different times yeah and i think i don't even know what happened shandy and i got cast in a show together
2: yeah a different
3: show yep and we just kind of sat in the corner and made fun of everyone
2: and i asked her to be my theater wife during that show. Yeah, she
3: proposed to me with a katana and yeah. then
2: that was it. It's <laughs> like a derby wife but yeah. in theater. Yeah. Make it a thing.
0: <laughs> and a should thing. you always use a katana to do that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the
2: more badass the better, I think. Like, how romantic is that? It's like a Kill Bill proposal. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then I, I knew of you beforehand but I think Tempest was our first show that we actually worked together and then we got really close during Waiting Room. Yes. So, but yeah, we all kind of knew each other within the same group. But it was, like, little instances where we all just
2: kind of glommed. And somehow we just ended up in a group chat together, just the three of us. Yeah. (laughs) Probably when we were in your show. Allison wrote a show that Jesse directed, and I asked, and they asked me to be in it. Oh, okay. And then we somehow developed, like, a group chat between the three of us. And that's really, I think, where, like, Blood and Blush started was, (laughs) you know, when you're talking to your friends, and you have that moment where you're like, we're like... Really funny.
0: <laughs> I've, that's actually never we crossed my mind. Share with my
2: this, yeah, <laughs> like with the we world. We should give this to the world. It's our yeah. gift. you're yeah. welcome. Earth
0: so this world. is this is the first time you guys have done something like exclusively the three of you together.
3: Um, we did do a show together, all three of us, where you two were in it, oh, and I designed. Yes. But it wasn't like it was bonding
0: like your thing it was
3: bonding through pain yeah oh
0: okay
3: yeah that's Um, a good way to put it so pain brothers you know sometimes you have those shows where you're like if I can just open this and then make it through the four weeks I think I could survive anything yeah
0: (laughs) You guys really had like trial by fire with your friendship. Like, uh, it seems like it was really forged on the battlefield type of thing.
2: I mean, we both. It makes me think of one of my favorite scenes in Steel Magnolias where Olympia Dukakis' character says, Well, you know what they say. If you don't have something nice to say, come sit by me.
0: Oh my God, is Olympia Dukakis here? I just had it. Oh my God, where did that
2: come (laughs) from? I would marry her so fast.
0: That's phenomenal okay so I mean let's let's kind of deal with you guys individually then since you all talked about like coming from a theater background so how did any whoever wants to start how did you start off in theater?
3: And Robin you first.
2: All right. So I grew up in Arkansas, um, and I did talent shows from the time I was, like, five.
0: Was it, like, a family thing, or was it just you sought them out?
2: Uh, My mother would tell you that I sought them out, but half of the time I was, like, in the car, like, we're going to a show? (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) But I just like to sing, and so it was, like, singing, and then people introduced me. I had the VHS of cats. Yeah. Which is I'll fight you over cats. It's brilliant. Are you
0: on a side note, are you excited about the remake thing coming up? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes.
1: Wait, what?
3: Yeah,
2: they're making a movie. What? <sighs> yeah,
0: the, the last cast member that got announced is Idris Alba. Which is interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. Um and then When I moved, we moved to Phoenix when I was 13, and I started doing, my first show was Zombie Prom in high school, uh, and I was ensemble, and then I just never stopped, so that's, you know, I fell, I didn't fall into it, I've always wanted to do theater.
0: Was it, was it a no-brainer for you to pursue it in school, or was that something, something, once you graduated high school, did you think about just jumping into it, or did you always know you wanted to go Mm -hmm. academic?
2: I went to NAU for a year to pursue a degree in theater and then I left. And now I have a degree in anthropology. That I do nothing with. Um, I basically paid a lot of money to be a really exciting date to the zoo. So
0: Not like us theater people who are really using our degrees.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, we're all just broke and making poor decisions. But, yeah. Um, and then I, I just kind of got into community theater. I did stuff at Mesa Encore Theater. Um, and now I do stuff at TheaterWorks. And,
0: so what was it about the academic side of things that you just didn't click for you
2: it wasn't okay um at NAU I had some friends at the same time who were at U of A and they have a much more competitive theater program and I don't did you major in performance yes okay so I major I was going to major in performance and the very first year I was the understudy for the Fantastics and then I played like marry the maid in um the bald soprano and there was a lot of other life drama going on at the time but I just remember being like if I'm already getting cast like where do I go from here I wanted to like fight for it and I kind of felt like I was like well I'm already in shows so I guess I'll just do this for three more years and that didn't like U of A is so competitive and I didn't end up going there obviously I have a degree in anthropology I had also fallen in love with someone who was going to U of A so you know when you're like 19 and throw your life away to pursue someone who will
0: never love you back
2: it's fine it's fine
0: Uh, On side note uh, both of the other women just took a big drink are they embarrassed as you said
2: (laughs) everyone's embarrassed for me (laughs) never have I ever dropped a degree (laughs) to pursue a hopeless love interest as a closeted lesbian just me just me
0: (laughs) going once okay so all right so it just it felt natural for you to go that's interesting because I think a, a lot of the people that went to NAU and, and stuck through it like that was a perk that they found it was that like oh I'm actually getting stage time here whereas at U of A I might never actually set foot on stage until I'm a senior right. so that's an interesting take on it that's cool. I
2: think yeah. it just depends on what you're looking for like I, I honestly it wasn't even necessarily because of the program it was mostly just because I was 19 and didn't know who I wanted to be and so it was just easier for me to just be like, this isn't working for me, and throw it out, and then start all over again.
0: Um, so did you feel like, I mean, afterwards, once you started getting cast at uh, Miss Encore and stuff, did you feel like you could have just, like, gone back and, and started auditioning, like, a couple years earlier and been in the same place? Um, I don't know.
2: I mean, I started doing community theater when I was like 20 my first community theater show I was in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar and I kind of was just like I don't know I just fell into it and it just kind of stuck I mean there are honestly times I um, just in, like, understanding the craft and, like, the technique as pretentious as I just sounded, <laughs> um, where I'm just, like...
0: I'm actually going to cut out the rest of your answer and just have that part so people can judge it.
2: <laughs> Please let them what, what? eat my zoni. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Shandy Alissi, pretentious as fuck. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> what's the word we're looking for? Pretentious. Um... But I mean There are some things That I just like I'm Lily Tomlin Talks about like How she acts And she's just like you know, I read the script and then I go and think about something that happened in my life and then I just pull from that and that's what I do. And, like, I relate to that because a lot of it is just instinct. Like, if you were to ask me, like, why did you make this choice? I would just be like, I don't know, I just made it. But there's a part of me that's like, I wish that I had like a foundation of like technique and classes that I could be like, well, my character's main element is wood and they're a chaotic neutral, so I only found it fitting that they're drink was a latte like <laughs> but you know i think that's just i just like to know everything about everything so i think that's mostly where it stems from but i don't feel like it's hindered me in any way
0: got it okay, okay so you do feel is. like you have you are pretty much always been instinctual and you just yeah. go off of that awesome.
2: and we'll just keep doing it we'll
0: just
2: <laughs> So you know, it doesn't work anymore
0: <laughs> is that so that's the kind of indefinite plan right now is just kind of keep on going where uh, do you do yeah. you feel like you see yourself staying in the phoenix area for a while
2: um Yes and no. Like, this is my home. It took me 15 years to be like, Phoenix is my home. Um, Because from the time I moved here, I was like, I hate it. And then anyone who asked, I was like, I hate it. I want to leave. But I'm at an age where, like, my life is here. And so it would be hard to leave. But, I mean, if the question is, if I'm like, I'm going to move to LA, like, I just don't see that happening. As long as the town that I'm moving to has some sort of theater, I don't mind. But I don't know that I find myself staying in Phoenix for like, ever. I would say I would be surprised if I'm still here in five years, is what I would say.
0: You heard it here first. (laughs) In five Five years? years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, so so, how did you guys come back uh, to the theater?
1: Um, Well, I grew up in Tucson, which is about uh, two hours south from here. I know. You to specify who you are because we sound the same on recording. Oh, this is Allison. Thank you. Um,
2: Such a good radio voice.
1: Thank you. Back to you, Tony. Um,
0: okay, hey, great.
1: <laughs> good answer. So, so I grew up in uh, Tucson, which is about two hours south, and I was homesick one day. I was seven or eight, and my grandma came over to watch me, and she brought West Side Story. And it was the dance scene where, where Tony and Maria first see each other first. Rumble! Rumble! Uh, let's go! Da-na-na, da-na. um, and I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. And so then my my mom found me a little local community theater, and I did that up until I graduated high school, and I was actually supposed to, to go to New York. I had gotten into a school in New York for acting but I couldn't afford it like classic classic Um, so then I was really lost and then uh, Grand Canyon University called me and was like hey we're starting our theater program again like we want you to be a part of it and I was like perfect I had all these ideas of like this is gonna be my chance to perform and everything I went to GCU for four years and I think I was only in eight shows the entire time And I was really fed up, and so one day I asked one of my professors my freshman year, I was like, I am not getting cast, what do I do? He was like, he's like, if you cannot make the show your own on stage, he's like, figure out a way to make it your own backstage. So I started hair and makeup, and then I designed all of the shows for the four years I was there. For GCU. I did. I did. I have a Zony for one of the hair and Uh, makeup designs I did. (laughs) Her name
2: is spelled correctly? Yeah, it is. (laughs)
1: I don't like talking about it, because I think, like, Zonies Nobody are great likes Zonies talking are great about in everything, it. but, like, outside of the state of Arizona, like, no one's going to be no like, one. you have a Zony, and it's like, so, mm, we have really... It rhymes with Tony, you might as well have one.
0: We Maybe if you really see it really strong strong. quickly, just like, oh, yeah, I'm actually the award winner. Opinions. <laughs>
1: yes, I'm actually an award winner, but we have really strong op- opinions on the Zonies, but... So, and then I, I did a lot of work with Bellby for a really long time Um, and then about a year ago a little over a year ago I had kind of hit this point I was working on a whole lot of projects and I kind of hit this point where I was like I need to to step back and and to refocus and to really figure out what's important to me about theater because at that point it was no longer like something I loved
0: Would you find yourself doing more and more backstage or what, what do you feel like triggered that?
1: A lot of different things. Um, we all come from very different theater backgrounds, we all come from very different theater educations, so we all have very different ideas of of how theaters work, how they run, and everything, and it's unfortunate, but not every uh, viewpoint lines up, and that's okay, but if your viewpoint doesn't line up, then you need to to take yourself out of that situation and so that was kind of a point I hit with a couple of different things um, and then I took a hiatus for a year and then I just did, a, we just closed a show that Jesse helped write um, and I was in that she and was
2: phenomenal, she I, was so good, What show was this? Okay. Return to Rosie's Pub, okay. Allison played Betty Page and she made her very proud she was so, 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 so
0: good that's awesome that's the ensemble one that they do right it's all based on this
2: yes, one. yes. all ladies with a couple dudes yeah <laughs> I, I, like I was life. okay i like
1: my life i was all right I, so I
0: any audition you ever go to i
1: remembered my lines but so that that was kind of the last thing i did and and i I've, I've dabbled in playwriting i'm okay at it, it no she's it. phenomenal so let's because allison's
3: modest as fuck did not one of your plays get accepted to the Frontier Festival in Alaska that, like, all the big playwrights go to? Yes. First Frontier? Okay, yes, like, one of your it
2: first shows that you ever wrote.
1: Yeah, it was the Would very you like to
0: do this one-on-one? Would you like to take <laughs>
1: <laughs> It was the very first um, full-length I had written outside of the intensive. Um, and, yeah, I submitted it to the last Frontier conference, which is a huge playwriting conference in Alaska, people from all over the country submit and yes I did get in unfortunately I couldn't go due to family um
2: obligation
1: family matters had happened um but it was an honor to be included (gasps) um but so yeah I dabble in playwriting but now um I don't know I'm trying to figure out where I belong Humility is a really great thing until it's not, until it starts to be negative and I'm trying to dig myself out of, out of the negative side of humility. Because like it is good to be humble, but it's bad to be.
0: And, and it's humble. something that's been like I feel like especially as artists, we we have that shouted at us without any real explanation. Is that you have to be humble, but you also have to brag about your work. Right. But if you brag about your work too much, then it's a bad thing. And you're but if you don't brag about it enough, then no one's gonna care. And
1: exactly. yeah, right. so impossible. I'm trying to because it's like Shandy's told me like you need to audition here and here and here, and I'm like I just wanna be included.
0: Thanks. So what was the the turning point for you to try writing? Because that that's an thing for me I feel like a lot of performers eventually try their hand at it I mean what do you think triggered it for you
1: um I had gone through something in college a life experience like so many of us do and I was um, I was talking to to a friend at the time and he was like you know what you should you should just try and and write this you have solid ideas you have you know good structure like your writing is 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 intelligent and it's smart and it's witty and i was like "No, mm, okay so then i did a like a two-month intensive and then at the end of the two months we had to write a one act and i ended up writing a one act about um about the experience, and I fully went into that, uh, that read-through thinking, I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, okay, like, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, it's predictable, and like, the lines were flubby, but afterwards, people were, we were able to do a Q&A, and I had a couple people, they're like, that's the first thing you've written, and I'm like, yeah, basically, they're like, that cannot be the first thing you've written, and so I continued to do it, and so I've wrote a couple of... Of one acts, I've had um, three of them performed by theaters around the valley. I am published. I do have one of them published in a series, so it's it's whatever. It's a it's like a fun it's a fun thing to do.
0: Do you see yourself leaning more into that than performing in the future?
1: I guess my thing with playwriting for me is because I I connections with playwrights uh, a couple of years ago hence why i, I got into it um, i i no longer have these connections anymore due to personal reasons um but my thing is is like a lot of what i've i've written has had to do with me personally and that's like kind of step one for a playwright is write what you know so my, my writing kind of ebbs and flows where it's like if something happens, then I'll usually write it in, in some semblance, some kind of, you know, generation of of, of what's happened. And that's basically been basically what, what I've written. Um, but I'm not necessarily like looking at it as like this is a career choice. I'm more looking at it as like if something happens and I write it and someone goes, this is really good, well, then great. But... I don't... Oh.
0: So you're not looking for opportunities to write. You're waiting for things to happen and that are worth writing about.
1: I mean, a lot of what the intensive was is, is our instructor would give us situations and we'd have to write them and that's totally fine. Like, if someone said, like, write a play about, like, A, B and C with, like, X, Y, and Z, then I could probably do it. Yeah. In fact, that's what most of the Night of Shorts are. They gave us words and inspiration and whatnot. Um... But a lot of that inspiration comes from from personal things that have have happened to me. So, and it's it's tricky to write about things that happen to you when those people are somewhat still in your lives. You have to be very very careful about how you write it to not necessarily upset anybody, but to still be true and honest to like the feelings that you have and just kind of, like, the emotional connection you have to everything, so, like, I do have a lot of little, like, one acts just kind of, like, strewn about everywhere, but I just, I kind of do it as a hobby. I'm, I'm sure if I took it more seriously, it'd probably be a, a career choice, but I just don't think I'm that good.
0: (laughs) Do you, is it, matter of like you'd still rather like lean on performing more or is it just that you are hesitant to put all your eggs in one basket
1: i have no idea because i've kind of been all over the theater world i've been on stage i've been backstage i've been part of the production side i've been you know administration production manager playwright designer um not to like brag but i've just i've had the experience to kind of dip my toes in in all the different pools and like if i had to pick one i love performing but i'm not going to like sit here and kid myself and be like i'm an amazing performer like i get by
0: what was that she is oh, okay. she is <laughs>
1: she good <laughs> it's it's a weird mental thing so it's like i would love to do all of these things professionally i would love to be a professional playwright i would love to be a professional actor it goes back to that negative humility where it's like I have to get over that hump first before I can actually allow myself to accept that I'm good at things in fear of letting that go to my head and start being, like, egotistical about it. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you have two people who would tell you if that ever happened.
2: Well, it do. It, it makes me think <laughs> so of, like, much. an inside joke that started on our podcast where we talked about we just start every morning and look in the mirror and just go, is it good enough? Is it... Interesting
0: enough. <laughs> oh, that hits close to home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so, Self worth is hard. Uh. So hard. It's,
1: it's really hard, especially as an actor, because we are in such a critical environment yeah. where it's. I feel like the, there's two very, very strong opposites, and then there's kind of this like weird group of us that like float in the middle. And yeah. it's, off, it's often the opposites that get noticed when it's the middle people that do all the work and go, yeah. well, I guess this is my life.
2: <laughs> so, But they get gypsy
1: robes. <laughs> they do get gypsy robes. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't have
0: one. <laughs> Jesse so we are out of time. Uh, oh, great. I'm just I'm It's <laughs>
3: not an important story, you guys.
0: Sorry. So, so, yeah. so how did
3: you get? to um, Is your arm dying? Yeah. Do we you're, need to hold it for you're it you? You're doing okay. work, I'm man.
0: In, I'm in very good shape. No. Okay. We <laughs> <laughs> can tell.
3: tell.
0: Just that arm. It's weird. Yeah. Uh,
3: um, I don't... And this is so weird. So, I moved around a lot as a kid because both my parents are in the military. Or were. They've retired since. Um, So, I never really had, like, a stable area to, like these are my people and I just kind of floated and I was always the new kid so I feel like with that you can either like be the weird new kid or be the weird funny new kid (laughs) (laughs) and so very early on I realized like I'm not the prettiest girl I'm not the smartest girl I'm not a guy's girl but I'm funny as hell So, hell yeah, but you're Um, still all those other things too. (laughs) Um, So, very early on, like in middle school, I was like, if I'm funny, they're not going to pick on me because even the mean girls want the funny kid around. So that segued into like middle school. I was like, why don't we have theater? And like we, me and like two of my friends tried like this defunct theater thing that the gym teacher.
0: So how did you supervised. jump to that though? I'm curious. Like what what made you say like I'm funny? Okay, theater.
3: I think it's like a a mech. Like the I'm funny part came from I'm an only child. I hilarious. was. <laughs> I'm hilarious.
0: I had brothers and sisters, they'd be laughing. (laughs) Uh,
3: It's so true. My Barbies were entertained for days. Um, I don't know. I was an only child. I moved around a lot. And so it was either like fade into the background or like have a marketable skill. And that was to be funny. And I was always one of those weird kids that got along with adults better. And adults love funny kids. Sure. There's whole YouTube channels about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, so I just was like, I'm funny and this is what I have to offer. And so it, you don't get picked on if you're funny.
0: So how did that translate to performance? And-
3: um, in high school, um, like the end of my freshman year, I was like not a good kid. I did a lot of drugs, I made poor life choices, I hung out with not so great people, and my friend was like, come to this theater meeting, and I was like, theater's for (laughs) wimps, and she was like, no, I think you'd be really good. And I sat in on like this theater guild meeting when I was 14 and I was like, oh my god, this is what I want to do. And I auditioned and the first show I auditioned for, I got cast in and you had to like sign this contract that was like, I won't drink, I won't do drugs and all this shit. And I was like, alright, if I can be in front of people and be funny... I won't do that shit. What was the show? Uh, Nine Girls. It was a murder mystery about a sorority where one of the girls killed all the other sorority sisters except me and two other girls, and I was the comic relief. So... That stuck with me, and I was like, I love this. And then I didn't get cast for three more shows, and I was like, No, but I'm funny.
2: You guys don't <laughs> understand? Like, we're doing the Diary of Anne Frank, Jesse. <laughs> like, no, but
3: I'm funny. <laughs> But I'm like, we're all funny. Um, we're doing the crucible, Jesse. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hysterical. But
0: yeah. If they didn't burn one of the witches because they were so funny.
3: So funny. <laughs> um, that is so funny. So my theater teacher was like, we just don't have any parts for you. Because they were doing like dramas and shit. And she was like, have you done makeup? And I was like, that's all right <laughs> like, i thought about it i was like that's not a bad idea and that's it just took off from there i was like this is where i was supposed to be it was backstage i was technically my own boss i did what i wanted i made people feel and look good and that's what i like really found that i liked to do and so when i went to nau they had a makeup in hair major when i started and Manuela, who has since passed, super sad, um, taught the class and it was all seniors. It was only an upper level class and she let me take her class as a freshman. And all the professors signed off on it and they were like, this is her major. None of, All of the other people were performance majors because you had to take it as a performance major. And so I was super stoked I got to do that and then I got to crew a show and they were like you don't have to be costume crew you can do all the wigs and that's where I was like yes this is it and uh, Manuela left and it was my sophomore year and I really didn't have anything to do and Kate who I've had a, a rocky relationship with was like hey I know you don't want to be a costume major, but really it's your only path. If you switch over to costume design, I will personally teach you all my makeup knowledge. And so I got to do makeup backstage over and over again. And then I left NAU um, for personal reasons. And I came back to Phoenix, and I worked. I literally walked into theater works when Robin Allen was the uh, artistic director, who is the artistic director at uh, Prescott um, Art Center now. I walked in and I was like, I wanna do anything. And she was like, the costume shop's that way. Didn't even ask, didn't ask for my resume, anything. She said, the costume shop's that way. And um, a gentleman named Antonio was a resident costume designer and he had worked on Broadway for many, many years and came back to Arizona to take care of his parents. And he was like, do you wanna do this? And I said, yeah, and it was my first day and he set a sewing machine in front of me and made me make 20 ditty bags before he let me touch a costume. And it was just, from there I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be in a costume shop. I'm supposed to be doing wardrobe. And I did, I worked at TheaterWorks for three years, exclusively in their costume shop and backstage doing wardrobe. And then I had a really terrible experience at like 22 with an actor. And I was like, I can't do this. I don't love this anymore. It's not worth it. And I left. And then when I was 25, like two, year, two or three years later, I had a friend pass away who you actually know, Jamie Chavez. I had a friend pass away, and I was at his funeral, and everyone was like, hey, you're not doing theater anymore, and I said no. And Shelby Matisic convinced me to come design a show at Bralby, and then I was like, oh, I really do love this. So I worked at Bralby and Now and Then and um, Stray Cat and so from then on I was like this is what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: Did you ever feel the urge to get back in front of the stage?
3: Um, I've acted on and off like in the last couple years. She was in Rosie's. I was in Rosie's. She was. <laughs> she was great. She was. She was I feel like as an actor, you shouldn't look around on stage when you're on stage and be like, I'm doing play pretend, and all of these people are really <laughs> giving it their all. <laughs> like, that's how I felt during Rosie's. I was like, I'm trying so hard to keep up with some of you, and I'm not. I'm not. So.
2: She was great. Don't listen to her. She was amazing. I know
3: your strengths. My strength is backstage and in a costume shop. Like physically dressing actors, and I love oh. it.
2: Ow. You know. Oh, I know, baby.
0: <laughs> I know. Why do you think that is?
3: Um, I don't know. I feel like, as someone that does wardrobe and costumes, you also get to be people's confidant. Like when you're someone's
2: yeah. And a confidant. <laughs> Golden Girls. Yeah, <laughs> um, we threw a party. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um. You get to be there for people when they are at their highest and their lowest. Like, being a dresser, you literally see an actor physically naked and completely emotionally naked. And it's that trust that you have to have with someone. Like... This person is going to see me physically and metaphorically naked every night and I have to 100% trust them. And I think that's, like, a really beautiful, like, art thing. Like, I trust you with everything. Like, you're going to be there. I'm going to be dressed when I get on stage. And if I'm sick or having a bad day or I forget my lines and I come off stage and I'm crying, you're going to be there to pick up the pieces. And I think that's a really, like, beautiful art thing.
0: So what I take away from that is that you you really like being in a position where people have to be naked around you.
2: Yeah. A lot of naked people. Also, also if you're in charge of someone's costume, like if you're in charge of their costume changes, they have to laugh at your jokes. So that helps too. (laughs) She's still the funny kid. I'm still the funny kid. So Captive audience.
0: And uh, us. did you complete the costume major in a youth center?
3: Nope, um, I left after my sophomore year and.
0: Was it because that it wasn't like the makeup anymore? It wasn't like what you came in for.
3: Um, it was that, and then I had like family things happening, sure. and um, like my family is based out of Phoenix at the time, and it just it made more sense for me to come home. Um, But it was, at the same time, like, I got accepted into ASU super easy. They were like, yes, come, here's all these scholarships. And I was like, not far enough. And so I went to NAU without any scholarships or plans. That was dumb. But, hey, whatever. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so you've all kind of mentioned one way or another. It's like uh, working a lot in like a, the community theater side of things when you first got into the the professional field. So I feel like community theater gets like a a, a bad rap. It gets like a stigma around it. So I'm just curious, like if any of you guys want to like speak to that, like being being a part of that world. You know, I think that there is like a lot of things that that people don't like don't appreciate about it. And I'm just kind of curious what you would you guys have to say either way.
2: I think. That with community theater, in my experience, um, I've done community theater a little bit over the valley, and like, there are some community theaters that, you know, uh, you don't have good times at, (laughs) and then there are some community theaters that get it right. I mean, it all just really depends on where you're willing to work, and what you're willing, like... I don't know, there's something scrappy about community theater, I think, and um, I understand the stigma, but, I mean, there are some houses that are like borderline equity houses that are still categorized as community theaters. It all just depends on what works for you, like, if you're the sort of person who's just like, I'm just a young, scrappy person who doesn't really care about, like, having really nice costumes or like providing my own makeup or doing shows that people have heard of or will even attend because there are theaters in the valley who are just like no one's gonna come to this but we're gonna do it anyway
0: shout out laughing pig theater
2: (laughs) but like if that's if you're just that kind of person who's just like yeah I just like I don't really care I'm just doing it for the craft or like I love doing things that are new works that nobody really knows about or I like I like being having the opportunity to put my own stuff on stage like the cool thing about the valley is like there's a theater for you like yeah. the valley theater scene has just like exploded it's huge then when like any of us started like when i first started i feel like there was like five theater companies maybe that really had a name and now i feel like every time i it's like gentrification of theater
0: where it's just like shadow laughing big theater <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. this used to be a strip mall now it's a theater I can just this used to be my grandma's house now it's a theater (laughs) But, I mean, it's a really cool opportunity that we have in Phoenix that, like, you can have a theater company, like... Any, anybody could just be like, I got a stage, I got some people, I'm making a theater company. And, and it just depends on like what you as a performer or a designer feel most at home in. If you're a person who's like, I want a really nice costume and really nice makeup and nice lights and a nice stage, there's a theater for you. And if you're a person who doesn't want a set or a costume or a script you have to pay money for, <laughs> there's a theater for you. So, I, I mean, I get that there's a stigma, but there's so many options that it's just like... Yeah, to give it a stigma is just you're just targeting something that really can't be targeted, in my opinion, because it's no so different. Yeah.
0: In the end of that,
3: um, I mean, just like what Shandy said, there are different levels of the community theaters in the valley. Like, Stray Cats a community theater, but does it feel like a quote unquote community oh. theater? No, right. Right. A stereotypical um, th- community yeah. theater. Yeah. Like. It just depends on what you want to do and what you're willing to do and how hard you're willing to work. Um, and shout out to the people at Stray Cat. They are some of the hardest working people I've ever worked with and most professional. It's yeah. insane.
0: So, I know that like a lot of what you guys are talking about is just basically like being able to pursue the art, pursue the craft, whatever you feel like doing. How much does pay factor for you guys as working artists?
1: It... <laughs> 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 That's complicated because it? <laughs> it's like it I feel like it's it's this really weird gray area that you teeter because it's like no I do this because I love it but then there's also this this realization that like you may love it but is that love going to pay for your gas? Is that love going to pay for you getting home at midnight when you've had to drive an hour and a half because you live in the West Valley and your theaters in the East Valley like I, th- I think the thing is is like you need you need to know what theaters work for you in your community and if there are theaters outside of it great but then you need to make sure that you're willing to do, do the show for the pay and be okay with it yeah like one of the things that I frustrates me is is when I've been in shows and people have been like it's such a far drive and they don't pay me enough and it's like they were upfront with you about where this place was, the amount of money you were getting, and you signed that contract. You put yourself in that position, so n- know your audience, quote unquote. Know your your space and your area of town. Thank you. Yeah,
0: that guy's the Ron May, actually. He's <laughs> the- no, I'm just kidding.
1: Hi, <laughs> Ron. Um, but I mean, the fact of the matter is that you know. I don't know any actors in the valley who don't have some kind of day job, who don't have some kind of part time, who don't have some kind of day job. So I'd say if, if you are going to gun for a show, make sure it works for you you know make sure it's going to be something that fits and that you are comfortable doing comfortable spending the time and the expenses on because fact of the matter is is that you've committed to the show for two plus months you're going to have to be okay with that you know x amount of stipend that you get at the end like that's going to have to be worth it if you even get a stipend like that's going to have to be worth it to
0: you so i think that's a good place to kind of wrap up the last couple questions i like to ask then first off any other artist in town of any discipline that you individually just want to give some recognition to? Any kind of shout outs, really?
2: Shout out to Chris Hamby at Theatre Works, who's the artistic director, for giving me my first shot um, to do community theatre in a really nice and professional setting, which had never happened to me before. And um, Theatre Works is the tits, so don't post that. <laughs> We're a family-friendly it's theater, it's Shandy. It's Shandy.
0: title. <laughs> <Episode> title. <laughs> on every work. billboard across the valley, it's theater it's works is the Tits.
2: Um. Good. Anybody else? Oh no, that's okay. Um, Nobody else. Shout out to Clara Benz for giving Phoenix Theater a chance all the way from Col- from Columbia, Missouri, in South Dakota. She's a star on the rise and my roommate. Yeah. So.
0: My <laughs> Benz is the tits.
2: <laughs> also the tits, the perky perky tits. <laughs> Um,
1: I don't know. Oh. I don't have... Friends. Same
0: ditto. Well, yeah. I mean
1: like I have you guys so shout out to Jesse and Shandy. Oh Shandy's Shandy. in a show right now. Yes yeah, she is. Shout out to Shandy Elise. She's in uh, Jekyll and Hyde at Theater Works right Perfect. now.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Plugs. Yeah. Month. Go Personal see
1: plugs. it. It's
2: amazing.
0: So when is that open again?
2: Uh, w- so we opened last weekend and oh. we run through the 27th. So 20th. Friday,
0: two shows on Saturdays and Sundays. And this is the, the version where there's like four or five different hides, right? Yes.
2: yes. So it's you the did version
0: of college, um, no? I did. It was the year after I graduated. Oh Devin. Um,
2: yes. yes it's Jekyll and Hyde by Jeffrey Hatcher, and the portrayal of Hyde is portrayed by four different actors, myself included. So come see me be Sexy Hyde.
0: Well, What about you guys? Anything on the rise? Anything we should look out for?
2: Um,
3: I just like, shout out to Devin Mahon for doing the most. Yes. Uh, Always. And also my writing partner, because I still write. My writing partner lives in LA and she is uh in a podcast that drops the 31st Yes, yes! all in, my head, all in, my, in my, head, my head pod you can follow them on Inst- instagram it all drops next wednesday or the wednesday after that whenever it drops on halloween on halloween um She's a Valley actress that moved to
1: L.A. and is, like, working. She's actually working. She's, yeah. it's, she's twerking. She is twerking. <laughs> she's twerking. Yeah. Like, she's what I would consider the definition of a paid working actor. Like, she is consistent oh, okay. work. Yeah. Um, I'll shout... So- okay, I thought of something. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Shout out to all the theaters who are taking chances. I feel like there's such... Um, A a weird divide in the valley right now, where it is okay to do original shows. It is okay to do shows that are out of the box and everything. Because at one point, every classic play was an original. So, like, support the original works because you don't know it could be the next classic.
2: Yeah. If you're a theater that's not doing Oklahoma or a Carousel in your season, good for you. Salute you.
0: Awesome, amazing. All right, last thing, uh, just a piece of advice. Oh, absolutely, the, the podcast drops when during the week, normally? What's are we're,
3: bi- we're bi-weekly, so it's on Mondays. We also have our mini sods where we review our Ipsy bags, which is a makeup subscription. Sometimes we do side things where we yeah. talk about Mondays. Year. Mondays, yeah.
2: just look for us on Mondays. Mondays. If we're there, great. If we're not, Great. Yeah, I don't yeah. know
0: <laughs> You're on Instagram, um, yes. you can subscribe yes. iTunes Instagram, Google Twitter, whatever, Facebook,
2: yeah. Google Play Google, Google, Google Play, Play, Play sure, Simplecast sure, sure, sure. yeah. All those things yeah. And
0: I I, honestly like I'm not I don't know what any of the makeup section is talking about ever like I but I still I enjoy Uh listening to every episode like I it doesn't it is It is your thing if you if you're worried that it might not be your thing because you're not a true crime person or a makeup person I'm neither but it's it's entertaining because of you guys and I think that's fair to say um and I think that that's like why I was so interested in talking to you guys because you guys have a different connection that, that goes across um uh now Uh, yeah individually like what piece of advice one piece of advice would you want to give somebody who's you know maybe going on the same path as you
3: well starting a podcast is hard and it's a lot of work and if you do it with more than one person you better love that person. <laughs> like, love them unconditionally. <laughs> because it's... I always joke with them. I'm like, we're not friends. We started a business together. It's yeah. deeper than that. Like,
1: it is. No, so, uh, Yeah.
3: So, if you want to start a podcast with your friends, buy... Make sure
1: they're your best friends. Make yes. sure they're your best friends. And buy nice equipment. <laughs> buy nice equipment. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: what else? Yeah.
1: Um, I guess, like, as a personal thing... Um, If I could give advice to people, it's okay to feel feelings, which sounds really stupid and like mundane, but it is absolutely okay to feel feelings. It is absolutely okay to not listen to people who tell you you don't have the right to feel feelings, and it is absolutely okay, no matter how hard it is, to cut toxic people out of your life because you're better than that. Taller.
2: I think the most important thing that the podcast has taught me is that people will love you for being authentically yourself. Because we don't edit ourselves. We don't hold back on who we are. We don't have, like, podcast personalities that we strip down and slip into. And people like it. And people listen. And if theater or podcasting and life has taught me anything. It's just be unapologetically yourself. I
0: love it. Yeah. So be yourself, feel your feelings, love your partners. Go out and be
2: brave. Go out and
3: be be brave. brave.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.